Hello and welcome to the Weather of the Mind podcast. I'm your host, Doug Krish. Good day to you. The Weather of the Mind podcast, we try to bring you practical approaches to emotional health. But more than that, we're coming out with the Weather of the Mind school. Visual tools, audio help. Build your emotional health game plan. Build your emotional health game plan. So that's a little preview of where we're headed. Today's episode is talking about weather of the mind 101, a reintroduction, past, present, and future. And let me just start with the present because I haven't dropped a podcast in a few weeks. It's been a challenging month of April into early May. And I have been keeping track of my emotions three times a day for now almost, it's going to be five years, the end of May. So I'm starting to get a pretty good data set. And I looked at it, I'm like, man, April, April really seems to kick my butt very frequently. And sure enough, this past April was one of the toughest three months that I've had in the last five years in terms of, you know, keeping track of my data. And that's one reason I like to keep track of the data because it's like... It gives you another lens, another way to check on yourself and see how you're doing. I feel like it's good for most of us to keep an eye on our emotions because most of us have times where emotions can can really get the most of us. And emotions, I'm always validating. The emotions are really important. But we still have to keep an eye, keep an eye, see what's going on. So that's what I do. That's part of my long-term study here. And I'm going to be publishing a paper and five years worth of data later this summer or fall. So that's kind of something to look forward to. So, yeah, this April has been really tough. April is... Why is April tough? To me, it feels like you have this... It's almost like we're children and the mother and father. One represents summer and one represents winter. And And they're just vying for influence back and forth. Maybe I'm projecting here. But the moral of the story is there's something there's something solid about summer and winter. Like almost a known quantity. Like, yeah, we understand January and February the world is gonna behave like this. Oh, July, June, August, the world is gonna behave like this. At least in the Northeast and it seems like a lot in a lot of this country, certainly the Midwest, the Mountain West, the Southeast, a lot of Canada, Europe, I don't know. Certainly, this time period in April and early May, there are times when winter sweeps in and still dominates. And there's times when summer sweeps in and dominates. I don't know if spring has its own reality. It, maybe its reality is more of this, this, these two forces kind of fighting for possession of the, the weather. It's never been a surprise to me that we, we've heard April's the cruelest month, that we've seen a rise in suicides in April. April is just very, very tough for people. And I think we need to spend more time acknowledging this. It would be cool to work on building a a new holiday of some sort or something fun that takes place in April that many people can connect to and and feel some sort of joy and some sort of... We need some national, international card tournament in April or something. Something fun so we could just hang out. But again, maybe we're just a little bit fatigued. Maybe I'm fatigued. This is uh, this is the 14th month of the pandemic. But I got my vaccine last week. So that's pretty exciting. I got the J&J vaccine. I did not feel any effects for the first 10 or 12 hours. But that night, a week ago, 
I did get uh, you know, mild fever symptoms and then a day of kind of aches and soreness. So my body reacted, and, and that's a good sign. So with that, I'm looking forward to getting back into going to the sports bar to be a bartender. I talked to my boss. should be getting back in there by mid-May. So I feel like I'm definitely in a transition space. Like I said, April into early May is very transitional weather-wise. And on top of that, if we're transitioning and changing something in our own life, in this case, emerging out of emerging out of some reality of pandemic 14 months into a new version of an old reality, for at least for me, I'm sure other people might be going through similar things as we are reopening. I just want to encourage, I just want to start with my closing messages, which is usually take care of yourself. Make sure you're, make sure we're doing the basic things during transition as best we can. Stay hydrated, exercise, get your, try to get your rest, try to relax, read, you know, give yourself, be kind to yourself. If we be kind to ourselves, then we can more easily be kind to others. In fact, for many of us, it's easier to be kind to others because we were raised that way. And then we kind of neglect ourselves. But if we don't sustain ourselves, then we're not much use to anybody else. We got to sustain ourselves. Taking care of ourselves and being kind to ourselves is is just, just as important as taking care of being kind to our neighbors. So the present. The present for me, all in all, it's good. I'm excited about reopening. I'm excited about serving people drinks. This time period of quiet has has enabled new kinds of growth and insights. But it's also, there's a social battery, an acquaintance battery, a face-to-face, smiling, joking. That battery has remained undercharged for most of the last 14 months. And you know what? I've survived. I've gotten by. But it's going to be fun to see how that re- reopening, that reintegration, that rebirth of sorts. And here we are doing a reintroduction. A lot of re's. So let's look at the past. So I brought in, uh, I brought in to class today two excerpts. Uh, one was written by me and one was written by a former student. The one that I wrote... I even have a date on it. It was written September 24th, 2004. This is an old writing sample. This became part of a portion of a book draft of a book called Emotional Homelessness. And I wasn't talking about homeless people. I was talking about um, the notion of an emotional home. Something, so in a sense, like many of us live in physical homes. We are not homeless, but are, are we emotionally homeless? And what does that look like? What is it like to have an emotional home, an emotional nest, an emotional place in the world? Some sort of. So I wrote two early book drafts, meaning not full drafts, a few chapters and uh, a proposal to reach out to agents in 2004, 5, and 6. One was Emotional Homelessness, and one was the Urban Monk's Handbook. Both times I got some I got some bites and met with some agents, but they say the same thing. This book seems cool, but you don't have a platform. Who are you? You can't just be a thinker and write a book anymore. You have to have some sort of following or something. So the books were never produced. Onward and upward. Okay, so let me jump into this. If you tuned into episode 99... I talked about, it was about Einstein. And one of the coolest things was this image of Einstein as a five-year-old when he's holding a compass, a magnetic compass that was a gift from his father. And this magnetic compass just blew his mind. Like, it was just the moment where 
he just had a spark of curiosity and hunger that just lasted him the rest of his life. So I pose the question to you, the listener, was, is there this moment in your life, can you ask a, a relative or can you remember, what was your moment when you were five, six, or seven, or eight, where something captured, captured your spirit, your curiosity, your essence, and that curiosity, that spark resonates today? years or decades afterwards. So I have this one excerpt I want to share with you, and it goes like this. I recall it clearly, the thoughts that ran through my young mind that day. I stood there, seven years old, blonde mop of hair shaped like a mushroom top, rust-colored, round-framed glasses, brown corduroy pants, and an Irish knit sweater. My mind was young, eager to grab hold of any information, any greater understanding of this world. Admittedly already an overthinker, I knew even at that young age that I was in the presence of a powerful exhibit. This was the first time I would visit the exhibit of human evolution in the Museum of Natural History. The exhibit has four or five scenes, huge dioramas displaying some early humans living in their natural environments. From that early age, I was stuck with the thought that that could have been me. Why was I born now? What would life have been like had I been born 500, 1,000, 10,000 years ago? It seems to me that these early humans were just like me, just born at a different time. The slight differences in our looks were overshadowed by the apparent similarities, the commonness in our beings. Even at a young age, I connected to the universals, to the common nature between other beings and myself, and in this case, the common humanity. I recall looking at the faces of these museum reproductions. I looked deep into their eyes. Their eyes were my eyes. Their joys and struggles were my joys and struggles. Their history was my history. It was clear to me that I was them. One of my earliest impressions was thinking how much time they must have spent with their family and larger clan or tribe, gathering food, building shelters, learning from elders. I found myself intrigued and, in a sense, attracted to this lifestyle, this daily immersion in a social network. As we walked further along and saw some of the exhibits of modern human history, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, the pyramids, there was a romanticism and appreciation for that period of time. Again, similar feelings emerged and an immediate understanding of the value of public space, interaction, exposure, shared experiences with those in your community. Reflecting on that museum visit, I I now believe that it inspired the construction of a new base of thought, a new branch of my personal tree of knowledge, one that would grow with great vigor. To this very day, as I stood staring into the eyes of our ancestors, a new lens was forming over my very own eyes, a constant awareness of my human roots, my human history. The seed was planted in my head years before I would read it in books and learn it in school. That there was a universal human nature connecting me, this little mop-headed creature, to all humanity across the globe and to the thousands of generations that preceded me. The seed that was planted and what has grown is the notion that we would not fully understand ourselves until we understood our past. It is... Along this same vein, this continued exploration that I explore this book, for when I read and think about human society and human culture, I think back on my time in the museum, 
when I first experienced this lens, our society as culmination of a long biological and a long cultural history. Ah, wow, that was sweet. Um, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, good to hear. So this, I mean, I wrote that piece in 2004. So, so as a reintroduction, you really want to talk about the most important thing is what are you and where are you going? But I think it's also important to give a few snippets, at least, about the past. I mean, I could talk about the past for hours and hours. This is now a over 20 year. I'm not really sure where to date the beginning of my independent studies. It's roughly 20 years or 21 years, depending how you look at it. I used to say when I got out of grad school. But when I went to grad school and studied city planning, I was really thinking a lot about emotional health and the history of communities. I was really in there for the theory. And I was studying a lot about human evolution and psychology. So it was already putting the pieces together. But looking back even further, in 2000, that summer, I did a kind of a loose internship with Paul Glover. Paul Glover now lives in Philadelphia, but he is a, is a really great independent uh, social innovator. And real inspiration for me for he he created a local currency in Ithaca, Ithaca Hours, which have now faded out of much use. But they taught a lot of people about the importance of local economics and how money moves through a system. So like that summer, I was already thinking, uh, I think for me, understanding emotional health has always had a few different streams going into it. And and it's been important for me to understand. Like I've certainly had jobs over the last 20 years that are ecological in nature, working in greenhouses, working as a beekeeper, working on farms. I've had jobs where I've been a teacher, helping teach green cities at Cornell, uh, TAing as a grad student, teaching uh, in high, as a high school teacher in Brooklyn, teaching in Auburn prison, teaching adult prisoners, teaching teenage boy prisoners uh, locally in the last few years. So the ecology, the education, and then there's the food service jobs. And the food service jobs, all these jobs are about nurturing healthy growth. When you come into my bar and I'm your bartender, it's an opportunity for human interaction, genuine connection, and just kind of a little bit of that, yeah, that basic human connection that is not a necessarily a deep conversation, although it can be, but it's just a genuine, honest conversation. I also had my period where I built a street cart and produced a number of books which I sell on the street. And that street cart is coming back, coming back. That street cart used to be, urban, well, it still is, says Urban Monk's Think Tank on the side. We're going to recommission that to the next part of the project and turn that into the weather of the mind school street cart and hope to have it out on the streets in the summer of 2022. I'm slipping into the future, but the past and the future are really very much connected. And I hope to do a longer overview of my past. And well, I will do it soon because part of my past is trying to make the case for more independent study. And how do we support independent study so more people can do long-term projects like my own? Because doing your own independent study allows you to, at least in my case, be very holistic-minded and to layer different types of jobs, different types of experience, different types of study, continue my book study all the time over these years as well. And so the end of April into early May here, a little bit coming out of uh, another challenging transitional 
often mentally overwhelmed, grogginess, <laughs> emotionally overwhelmed. But now we're looking towards the future. Let's talk a little about the weather of the mind. So the podcast, the idea is how do we take practical approaches to emotional health? Again, that was the year, that's the original tagline for the Weather of the Mind podcast. But now we're connecting it to this Weather of the Mind school. It's like the podcast is a place where we hang out every week or two. And I do hope to get more back into a consistent routine as life gets back to normal. But we hang out every week or two, drop some knowledge on these topics, share where my studies are going, share some some feedback, and uh, you know keep keep it moving. It's kind of like it's a it's a brainstorm place of some sort. I often think of an episode as kind of like a sketch of an essay, a few main points, work through them, and um, see where it goes. Okay, so 101. So whether the mind 101, past, present, and future. And I think about oh, as 101 as an opportunity of an introduction, or in this case, a reintroduction or a reorientation. Okay, so why do we transition from Weather of the Mind podcast to start calling it the Weather of the Mind school? I didn't sign up to be part of a school. I just wanted to listen to a podcast. Well, that's fine. When we talk about school, we're going back to the, the old Greek-Roman philosophy notion of school. Like a place of character, intellectual development, emotional, physical, holistic development. You're nurturing healthy growth. That's what I think of when I think of school. I think... I think our notion of school, you know, it's only been around the modern school system coming out, like the American school system, which was very much inspired by the Prussian system of the early 1800s. I mean, this whole modern school movement is only really 100 to 200 years old. And we think of school, we think of school as very much, very much how it is now. And I'm not trying to dismantle school as much as question, question these Hours and hours and hours and days and days and months of time that we're sending kids to school. And the question is, is if you're spending all this time and investing into all these youngsters and, and, and adults, uh, well, we always talk about continued learning. So hopefully even that we could change, uh, hope to change the notion of what school is. Lifelong growth. What if, what if school, what if the first day kindergarten they said, School is about lifelong growth, and here is, you're, you're only five years old, we're going to get you. Lifelong growth. Everyone gets a seed, everyone gets to grow a plant, so you remember this is about lifelong growth. So the idea is, what if we were affiliated with a school for our whole life? What if our notion of school was more of like a way of life, a set of values, just an orientation? I think of the image of the blank canvas, and I feel that... In many ways, we're, we're sending kids through school with just basically one goal direction. That is like, you got to go to college. If you go to college, everything will be perfect. And then you go to college and you end up in debt and then you can't get a job. And you're like, wait a second, I did everything you told me to. And I'm at, I feel like I'm at a dead end and I'm, in de- and I'm indentured servant to this debt. Like, what the heck is going on here? So the idea is we need other schools of thought, schools of thought. We need other schools of meaning. Other, we, we're handing people, you're getting out of college and you're saying, all right, here, you know, good luck with life here. And you give people like a blank canvas and you say, build your life, like pick where you want to live or go find a job or just build it, build it on your own. You're an individual now, like go get them, tiger. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Humans are not 
that radically individual by nature. That is a jolting thing. And we're not giving people a structure. We're not, if they have to build their life, they have to create this life and we're handing them a blank canvas, we should be teaching them, all right, what do you think you want to paint on that canvas? All right, what kind of style do you think you want to use? What's a value, how, you know, how do we suss out someone's painting style? And, and, and you know, how do you go from step A, blank canvas, to step X? well-developed canvas, well-developed line and sketch and vision for that life. And we're just ignoring this. And at the same time as we're ignoring this, life is more chaotic and presents more choices and more unknowns. So it's a real emotional health perfect storm we're looking at here. With that said, let me jump in and uh, let me jump in. Let me jump into my own conversation. Let me, my former student jump in. I got a note a few weeks ago. And it's a great message, and it is from a former student named Ben Murphy, who was uh, Green Cities at Cornell Summer College, class of 2015. That was taught by my uh, friend and mentor, Rob Young, who has passed. Rest in peace. You're with us in spirit, buddy. So I was a TA, uh, known as the TA of the people, actually, and uh, we had a great time, and it was a three-week immersion course, and it was deep immersion, tons of work, but... It was like some sort of Green Cities boot camp. So without further ado, here is that note from a former student. Hey Doug, this is Ben Murphy from the Green Cities 2015 class. Just wanted to send you a note of encouragement as I have been deeply enjoying your podcast. Since finding it a couple months ago, I have listened to all the episodes. Big milestone coming up in 100. Woohoo! Many of my peers who graduated from college this past May are struggling to find work and purpose. I have referred them to your podcast as a resource of wisdom, perspective, refuge. What you are doing is incredibly important. Let me know if there's any way to get involved or contribute in some capacity. Thank you so much for the wisdom and vision. Living and learning, Ben Murphy. Oh, thank you, Ben. That not only does it warm my heart, it stokes my fires, you know? It's like, that's exactly what we're aiming for with this school. We're aiming to turn some of the materials from the Urban Monks Think Tank and from the Weather of the Mind podcast and some of the new, and a lot of the new materials I'm working on to build a Weather of the Mind school. And the process has been very wonderful and interesting. I think it appears in my notebook, this notion of a weather of the mind school, about when the podcast began. It was kind of sort of the vision. Take the best excerpts from the podcast, sort them by subject, and sort of create a refuge, a place online that has no ads, that is real minimal and calm. A place where you can visit and you could listen to conversations about topics that might support and encourage and calm you during your own emotional challenges or just growth or exploration. So that's the vision for the school. What's interesting is you, you take this cloud of ideas, in this case, the Weather of the Mind School, but many things, there are a cloud of ideas. This cloud of ideas or a forest of ideas, this growing network of ideas 
and you try to filter them down or sort them into subjects. I did this process when I was working on the Urban Monk's Handbook, and it was how do you take this forest or this cloud, this organic system, and then sort it into a linear path? Now, with the Weather of the Mind School, it doesn't have to be necessarily linear, but it has to be organized. And I'm very excited that I've boiled it down to four main subjects. And those main subjects of the Weather of the Mind School, drum roll. The four main subjects are goals, habits, relationships, and the fourth one is nature and culture. Goals, goals, like aims, like what are you shooting for? What, where's your direction? Where are you headed? What's your mission? That, that sort of thing. But goals is so much of the, what the podcast has covered the goals. Because the goal, if you think of what our goals are, what's our direction, I mean, that really gets down to the philosophy of your life. How are you going to, what's your sketch going to be in that blank canvas? You know, what's your general orientation? And this is a growing, evolving process. But so many of these podcast topics, these smaller topics, really feed into this topic of goals. The second topic is habits. Habits is almost, if goals is stepping back and looking more broadly and getting your your direction, habits is then stepping in close. It's your week to week. It's those goals in action. It's it's very action oriented. The goals subject perhaps is more, um, it's more uh, a deeper idea oriented and habits is a little more action oriented. It's really about looking at your week I really push the week, seize the week, as opposed to seize the day. Look at that week as a functional unit and understand it. Get, let's get better at assessing and then just so we understand what's working and what's not working. And then we improve, make some changes, little experiments, and then we reassess. You know, it's a process of growth going kind of back and forth between goals and habits, these two subjects. So those kind of focus a lot on kind of getting ourselves into a place where we're strong and we're healthy. And then, not like they necessarily all go in order, but then relationships. Now, relationships takes a lot of the, the skills and the ideas that are put in line with, you know, essentially working on our relationship with ourself. Once we get our relationship with ourself in line, I think it's surprise, surprisingly easy to transfer a lot of those same skills to our relationship with others. It's kind of all relationships. And what are the general rules or our guiding principles of healthy relationships? And how do we recover relationships? When do we let relationships go? So relationships, obviously, huge topic. And the fourth subject, nature and culture. Nature and culture. So here's where the school sort of extends broadly again and almost folds back upon itself. I look at Nate, so each of these subjects is going to have an image, like one image you can print out, and you, it's just, it's very simple image, it's, it's just, just to kind of give you something visual. I'm trying to, so part of the school is often creating visual tools, assessment tools, uh, you know, to help us with that process of it, assessing, experimenting, assessing, I think we need to make things more visual. So I'm giving you a sense of where we're going here. Also, a few nuts and bolts. I talk a lot about theory and ideas, but nuts and bolts. As we go into this next phase of our life, this post-pandemic phase, hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed, 
I get a chance to rebuild my structure because before pandemic, it was every Wednesday, boom, podcast. It was like a, it was like a really well-oiled machine. I let myself loosen that up during pandemic times, and now I get to kind of rein it back in. I think every other week will be the future of the podcast, but hopefully it will fall into a more coherent uh, rhythm for my own benefit, uh, perhaps yours as well. But also, I need to I need to start paying myself, but more importantly, I need to start paying other people because I have a few, a few people who are lined up who have the skill set and the hunger to really contribute to the Weather of the Mind school. So a lot of exciting things coming in the future. In the rest of this year, we hope to form the 501c3, form our board of advisors, uh, begin uh, raising capital, both from grants for emotional health innovation, but also individual donors. Those are very important. I've already gotten some donations here and there, and those are very much appreciated. What's interesting is I've kind of have this skill or problem <laughs> where I don't mind self-funding myself because I don't like asking for money. So I just work jobs and live simple and that's worked out fine. But now that I need to, uh, so we try to build greater foundations under this weather of the mind school so that it can exist for a while. Financial realities are financial realities and I believe very strongly in this project, and I think raising uh, enough money to support outreach and advertising and one or two part-time employees and myself as either a part-time or full-time employee is very much within the realm of possibilities. Yeah. So good things to come. Let me give you a few episodes that are coming up. I'll just give you the titles because they're just sort of enticing. Oatmeal. I love oatmeal. <laughs> Savages. Whoa, that seems heavy. My garbage problem. Validation. Uh, this I'm doing another book review on validation, and that's such an important topic. Goethe, Hegel, and Kant. Yes, we're going there, and I'm going to make it accessible. Our relationship to the sun. And then a whole bunch of post-pandemic interviews. We're going to get people into the studio. We're going to be interviewing. Oh, my gosh. I don't have to carry the weight of all these episodes myself. Please help me out. Let's hear your voices. Let's get you on the podcast into the studio. So we've talked a little bit of past, present, and future. I think I undersold the past today and oversold the future. Let me talk more about the past sometime. You are Most of you already know what's going on. If you're hungering for the past and want to whet your appetite, buy you could buy some of my books soon and read about the past. And I'll put a lot of it online. I, another thing is I don't really want to sell things. I mean, I'll sell my books that are hard copy, but I mostly want to – I really believe in the NPR model and the Wikipedia model. Create a product that is of value. Do not clutter it with ads and say, hey, listen – once or twice a year, I'm going to say, hook me up with a few hundo, and uh, we're going to build something together, and you're invested in it, and I'm invested in it. So that is coming soon. So very exciting. But look at we're We're helping you build your emotional health game plan. I mean, building your emotional health game plan is arguably just as valuable as 
many, many years of schooling. You, Because we see people who are very well educated and they're still struggling with emotional health issues. And not there's no panacea. It's a lifelong process. But right now, we're not giving it enough. We're not teaching people this. And they're finding it out on their own when they're 25 or 35 or 45 or maybe only 15. And they're really getting overwhelmed by it. And if people are overwhelmed, they're going to do desperate things. They're going to hurt themselves. They're going to hurt others. We have to look at desperation. We have to look at economic realities. And we have to look at emotional health all in the same conversation. We're getting there. Well, this has turned into a very long and wild ride of a podcast. And I personally feel a little bit too exhausted to over edit it or to edit it a lot so if it was a little bit wild that's just the way it's springtime it's a wild wild time i have to just work with nature sometimes i really enjoy you spending time with me i enjoy when you drop me a line and i enjoy and appreciate when you tell your friends and acquaintances that the weather of the mind school is coming up baby <laughs> Living and learning, please stay hydrated, get some exercise, be kind to yourself, living and learning. Be well, much love, bye-bye.